From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft. That greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you checking us out on one of our affiliate stations, the podcast, thetalkzone.com, the fabulous app, of course, the Conspiracy Show app, and, oh, the live stream. Let's not forget to all of you checking us out on the YouTube uh, live stream, or if you check us out later on the archived version, welcome to you as well. However and wherever you're listening, I do bid thee the finest and the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, open lines for the entire hour. Open lines. Get on board now uh, before the lines fill up, and we can talk about just about anything. Uh, if you've heard something recently on the program you'd like to discuss, you have ideas for a future program, if you've had a UFO sighting, an encounter with some cryptid, uh, you want to talk conspiracy, we're good for that as well. And let me give you the numbers in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Again, in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. 866 uh, We are going to get to our remote viewing experiment, our weekly remote viewing experiment in just a moment. Uh, so if you're out there listening, watching on the YouTube, however, let me direct your attention. This is important. I have to direct your attention to my desk here, here on 70 Jefferson Avenue in Liberty Village in Toronto. And on the desk to my right is an object. I want you to hone in on that object. Albert Vinzel, our occasional remote viewer, has his eyes closed. He's focusing. Ian in the other room is focusing. Ryan White, our fine intern, focusing. You at home, focusing on this object here on my desk in the studio at 70 Jefferson, Zoomerplex, Liberty Village, Toronto. And if you'd like to guess... Not guess. If you'd like to remote view this object and offer your suggestion, use the hashtag TCS Remote. T is in the, C is in conspiracy, S is in show. Hashtag TCS Remote. And uh, for whoever comes the closest, we'll offer up uh, some fine, a fine piece of uh, conspiracy show merchandise. We have phone cases and T-shirts and hoodies and mugs and so forth. All right. Uh, I also want to mention what we have coming up on the program next week. J. Pat Brown. J. Pat Brown will be with us from muckrock.com. Muckrock is, I guess you could call them sort of citizen journalists, and these are the, the folks that file all of these FOIA requests. I mean, thousands of them. You will recall several weeks ago we were discussing the, uh, the how the CIA had dumped something like, what was it, Albert, 13 million pages of uh, documents. They made them available online, finally. Uh, and these uh, documents uh, went back to sort of the uh, the height of the Cold War, back even further into the 1950s. Uh, they, they dealt with uh, remote viewing programs. They dealt with UFO sightings and so forth. And uh, they were released online thanks largely to the efforts of Muckrock. And uh, they essentially 
uh, sort of embarrassed the CIA and sort of forced their hand into releasing these documents. So we'll, we'll talk with uh, J. Pat Brown from muckrock.com. All right, the uh, the gang is all here, as I mentioned. Ian Robertson on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. Albert Vinzel, my story producer and occasional remote viewer, and Ryan. All right, let's go around the horn before we go to the phone lines. And uh, Albert, what's? Uh, hang on, let me get the, the microphones working here. What do you uh, What do you remote view here? What do you see? A, a toy windmill. <laughs> a toy windmill. <laughs> that, that's being oh, com- front loaded from the interview. Yes. But I, I see the color red. I think there would be red paint on it. All right. And uh, somehow I got like ice and salt. I don't know if it means anything, but maybe like a children's art project, but. I, the color I see the strongest is red. Maybe maybe this is the week where it's like a red valentine or a red ball or the heart. All right. And uh, Ian? I know you're not supposed to just call it out. You're supposed to describe it in some way, but I'm, I'm seeing something to do with golf. Something to do with golf? I don't know. Golf ball, golf pin. All right. And uh, Ryan? It's interesting. Albert said uh, something to do with um, a windmill, right? Uh, I, I kind of saw like a little hook, like a I want to say like a little fishing hook, but you know maybe size of a I don't know a little bit uh, the palm of your hand or so. A, a fishing hook. Some right, do you sort have, of do you hook. have a color, anything, a texture? I saw metallic. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. So again, just to re, re, uh, recap, Albert says a. Um, Something red. It could be a children's art project. Maybe something Valentine related. Uh, Ian, a golf tee, or did you, what was the other one? Literally a golf ball. A golf ball or a golf tee, and uh, Ryan, a, uh, a metallic object, uh, maybe a, a hook, a large fish hook, the size of, a, of your, the palm of your hand. All right. So again, the uh, the hashtag to use is TCS. Remote, TCS remote, and uh, we'll do the reveal probably around the bottom of the hour. All right, why don't we go to the phones, and uh, let's see, who do we have up first? Uh, Wren is in Somerset, Pennsylvania. Wren, good evening, good morning. How are you? Oh, okay, and how about yourself, sir? Terrific, thank you. I, I just wanted to, I mean, the uh, fellow you just had on about the uh, wind uh, turbine, I, it just sounds so... Uh, Familiar, and maybe it's a different design, but James McCanny has one that sounds similar to this, but maybe I'm sure it's slightly different at least. And he's opening up a, a prototype in South America somewhere, I believe, that's supposed to be going online real soon. It's a, and he can gear his up to just about any size with the new uh, metals and technology to power cities and basically replace the uh, nuclear or anything else for that matter uh now james mccanny as in planet x james mccanny well he's not planet x (laughs) he claims that people are taking uh, his uh uh, voice and uh uh, splicing it and making it sound he doesn't believe in planet x at all ah okay all right, but I have heard him speak uh, to the issue, but we're talking about the, J- the same James McCann. He just wanted to make sure. All right. Well, it's possible, you know, that there are similar uh, designs uh, to Kohilo. Uh, maybe you want to get on up to their website, kohilowind.com, and, and see if that one looks familiar, if it's similar to the one, uh, the same design uh, that uh, James McCann has. And these are, again, this is a vertical axis as opposed to the horizontal uh, blades that we're used to seeing with these 200, 300-foot wind turbines. All right, Ren, thanks for the heads up on that. I appreciate it. Great to hear from you. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, Dave is in Michigan. Hey, Dave. Good evening. Good morning. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Um, fine. Just cruising home from work, and I heard you had open line, and I've been wanting to talk about the whole everybody saying that the spacewalk was a fake and stuff on the moon. If that would have been true, the Russians would have called us out on it. Yeah, that's one of my um, my questions. Uh, why? Why they didn't do that? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they had the same tracking stuff as we got. Understood. Yeah. First of all, Dave, where in Michigan are you calling from? I don't really want to say. That's fine. No. Are you up in the in the peninsula or? No, no, sir. No, no. sir. No, okay. I'm in the lower. I'm. I'm I, I listen to you on 740, but she Excellent. comes in kind of kind of sketchy every Sunday night when I'm driving home. All right. Well, I, I listen to you every Sunday, and that I have to work. I appreciate it. Well, yes, you mentioned uh, we did a recent show. We had the uh, the publisher or the distributor of Nexus magazine, uh, and he was presenting his photographic evidence as a, a one-time professional photographer uh, for those who didn't hear the show. And he, he maintained that it was not possible uh, for those astronauts using a, the Hasselblad camera to operate it with the you know all of that the um, the spacesuit basically uh, the other the other argument that he offered up was that the film would have been fogged by the radiation although you know for each of these things there is an explanation right. uh, the 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 film stored in these metal cases could have been shielded from the radiation um, as I, well, I, I as I've mentioned, I I, I think we went to the, I believe we went to the moon, uh, Dave. I I believe, but I'm willing to hear these these uh, arguments because I think they're they're fascinating. Well, our boys at NASA are pretty darn smart. I mean, they they know what they're doing. Although the pencil and the pen was a little different, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, but they they kind of know what they're doing. And and like I said, the Russians would have called us on the carpet in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, so. One would assume, but then the other question is then, and this is one I can't answer, and that is, well, then why haven't we been back? Well, I, I think it's just the the cost for what we gain for going to the moon itself is pretty astronomical. And, of course, there's the other thing that maybe somebody up there said, stop it. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we were warned off the moon. That's right. Well, it's, it's, I, you know, I don't know. Could could be. So... Anyway, that's my two cents worth. I so. appreciate your two cents, Dave. Anytime, please call again. Hey, keep up the good work, sir. You, thank you, you. You're fun to listen to. I appreciate you checking in with us, uh, Dave. Thank you. All right, Anne is in Aurora. Wants to talk about wind turbines. Hello, Anne. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I have listened to you for so many years. <laughs> I just love your show. Thank you. Anyway, um, yes, I was really interested in the, in the wind turbines. Stuff. Can you just give me their um, their email address again? T-W-A-R- well, first of all, if you go to uh, here, let me give you the website. Okay. It's Kohilo. Yeah. And that's spelled K-O-H-I-L-O. It's a it's Hawaii. One L? Yes, one L. It's a Hawaiian name. It means gentle oh, okay. breeze. KohiloWind.com. Okay. KohiloWind.com. And uh, the email, I guess, I believe is, um, it's Tom Warzeka, T-O-M Tom Warzeka, W-A-R-Z-E-C-H. E-C-H? 
at kohilowind.com. Did I get that right, Albert? Yes. So T-W-A-R-Z-E-C-H-A. A. At Kohilo Winds Turbine. No, kohilowind.com. Kohilowinds.com. Yeah. All right. Um, I was just wondering about um, investing in this um, this new venture. Do you know anything about that? Well, no, I don't. You'd have to... Um have to talk You'd have to, to talk to them directly. I know they said that they they are looking for distributors up here in Canada. Uh huh. I hate those turbines. Those you, massive turbines. I just hate them. Do you have a wind farm near you? No, I don't. But mm. I, my uh, my grandson builds them. Oh, he does. <laughs> the big two hundred, three hundred foot towers. Oh my God! He he's right up there, and the, the size of those blades. Anyway, um, I I just would love to see them gone totally. One other thing. Many, many years ago, you started talking about water fluoridation. Oh, let me get you to hold on, Ann, because okay, that's a whole thanks. other discussion. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Okay, Ann and thanks. Aurora will stay with us. Back with more Open Lines here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, uh, welcome back to our open line segment for the uh, for the hour. Again, the phone number is 416-360-0740. and toll free from just about anywhere. 866-740-4740. We'll get back to is it Anne in Aurora mm-hmm. in uh, just a moment. She wants to talk about uh, fluoride fluoride in the uh, in the water. Uh, I just wanted to get to some tweets here. People using the hashtag. For our remote viewing experiment, TCS Remote. And let's see, Mike R. sees the color red, maybe a red ink pen or red pencil. Ed Krez, uh, just like you, Ian, he sees a golf ball. He actually went so far as to, to, to name the brand a Titleist, he says. Ross Moore, a rubber ducky. And uh, the Big Bop. Big Bop says uh, a pen as well. And let me see, we have some other ones here, I think. Uh, oh, this one's interesting. Someone here, where is it? I've lost the name, but they, they're guessing a piece of cutlery. A piece of cutlery. All right, we'll do the reveal at the bottom of the hour. Just a reminder as well, uh, this is our open line segment, but I am going to do an AMA and ask me anything, and I'm going to post it to YouTube tomorrow. You've been sending me in your questions. And uh, I will address those. I'll get to those uh, tomorrow, Monday, and I will post the response to your questions um, on YouTube at the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And I'm just trying to see, what is the um, the hashtag? If you want to send in a question tonight uh, or tomorrow morning early before I get to it, it's hashtag AMA Richard Serrett. AMA Richard Serrett. S-Y-R-E-T-T. All right, Anne, you wanted to talk about fluoride. Yes, many, many years ago, uh, you talked about um, water fluoridation, and I'm sure you're totally against it, and it really got me going, and I've been involved with it ever since, trying to get it out. Um, have you any idea when that was, and can I go back in there and and um, and see, listen to that program again? Well, I've done I've done radio programs, and I've also done a television program about it. Uh, I believe season three. If I'm not mistaken, for the TV show, maybe season four, and um, 
that should be on Vision TV. They they uh, they air the uh, the old episodes in pretty high rotation. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you when it's going to air next, uh, but if you go to the Vision uh, TV website, uh, then you should find it there. You may even be able to view it online. And uh, if you go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, yeah. And then if you go to the radio page for this for the conspiracy show, there's a search engine there. Just type in fluoride. Oh, okay. And those old shows will pop up. And then make sure you register as a member and you can listen to them. Oh, okay. All right? All right. Well, thank you very much. All right, Anne. Thank you. I wish you. we would do another one on fluoride. Your wish is my command, Anne. Thank you very much. We will much. do another one. Absolutely. Before, Thanks so much. All right. Before the summer is, uh, before the summer arrives, we will do another show on fluoride. Do you hear that, that Albert? Amazing. All right. Thank you. Albert, on your bike. Get busy Bye. with that one. Thank Bye. you. All right, our good friend uh, Nelson Thal checking in. Hey, Nelson. Hi there, Richard. How are you doing? I'm well. Yourself? Terrific, thanks, and uh, congratulations on you breaking ground with the show week by week. Brick by brick. <laughs> brick by brick. <laughs> Thank you, yes. Listen, I wanted to say that, you know, it's really exciting where we started from, um, exposing the cover-ups in the 80s, the 90s, and the O's. And eventually we went on uh, Blowtorch CFRB Live Drive um, and ex- and did the TWA 800. Uh, it, they said that at that time, if you recall, the top guys at CFRB said this was their finest hour when we brought Pierre Salinger on for the live drive to expose the TWA cover-up. Former press secretary for John F. Kennedy and then a, a long-time for, uh, foreign, co- I believe he was sort of the, the, the Paris-based correspondent for ABC News. And you're right, he was one of the lone, he was a lone wolf crying in the wilderness, uh, the lone voice crying in the wilderness, insisting that it was in fact a bomb that brought down a, a T, TWA 800. Uh, and... That one, you know, uh, I'm still not convinced that case is closed. I mean, <laughs> well, there's... the good news is that the good guys have gotten control of the executive branch and removed the power grabbers. <laughs> well, you know, this whole business about fake news uh, is is very interesting, and and the the total erosion of confidence in the mainstream media. Uh, and depending on, you know, which side of the fence you're on, you either say they're the purveyors of the fake news or uh, those on the other side of, of the fence, of course, uh, point their finger at the so-called well, alternative media and say they're the fake news. Well, the globalists bought into the media of the value-adders, the patriots, and uh, took control of their media and start to try and brainwash them and distort the truth, but they've gotten caught at it. I mean, the value-adders have now trumped the power grabbers, the value and adders. Watch what because they're they're leaving the uh, the the, um, the executive branch. The good, bad guys had control of the executive branch, and they've been kicked out now. And they're slip. They're even control of government is starting to slip, and they're sort of they're running to Canada. That's why they're coming in here, and they're coming across in the snow. <laughs> well, one of the interesting uh things that uh, that has come out of the latest presidential cycle and you and I have talked about this uh, off the air is that the whole you know the raison d'etre for programs like this or at least part of I shouldn't say the whole raison d'etre we talk a lot about a lot of things but we certainly have talked over the years about the the forces of globalism uh you know the 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 one world order or the new world order versus those that, that believe in the nation state 
And now that has become part of, thanks to the the last presidential election, that has become part of uh, the conversation. It has become sort of the ground. It's become eye level. Now everyone's talking about globalists versus the nationalists or globalists versus the nation state. And which was a discussion which the ruling uh, the media had kept uh, that out, out out of their consciousness. Right. And and so now people are, are are the world over are starting to question the value of a lot of these in- international institutions like the United Nations, like the World Trade Organization, uh, like the Euro, uh, like the Eurozone or the European Union and so forth. Uh, and so <laughs> I guess my only reservation is programs like mine, uh, may become increasingly mainstream, <laughs> dare I say. Well, we've got our man in uh, things that we used to say that they told us back in the 70s that we were crazy. Now we've got a guy in the White House who's green with us who can see what's going on backstage in the global theater. And he's a Patrick Henry. He's a Paul Revere. I mean, he's all those and more rolled up in one. Uh, I hear more and more uh, pundits uh, calling him maybe another Teddy Roosevelt. What do you make of that? It's hard to compare him. I understand that. I think it's going to be hard to compare him to anybody from the past. He's sort of a, a collage of a lot of things. But certainly, just from the standpoint of the old battle that's been going on, just going back to what's been hanging, forget the recent times, something that's been hanging there in the background, they've been fighting this war. Remember, uh, Lafayette, uh, Cornwallis surrendered to Lafayette, but he did not surrender to General Washington, which is why in the post offices, all the paintings of him are usually unfinished. There's the famous unfinished picture of George Washington. They had it in all the post offices, so it was right under their nose. Nobody asked, well, why is it unfinished? It's unfinished because uh, uh, um, Cornwallis didn't surrender to Washington. So the battle continued. You know, in, 18, in, in 1812, they fought in Toronto. Uh, the British went down and burned down the White House. Then in 1861, the British uh, and the the Patriots fought again. I mean, this is an ongoing ancient quarrel. It's a not. It, it, so it's it's there, and to 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 brush it aside and not to see it for what it is, is just to not learn from history. All right, Nelson. Yeah. Poignant as always. I appreciate it. So next time, let's talk about the art of the deal. And the seven-year peace pact is ground, and the art of the deal is figure. All right. It's a deal. It's a deal. It's a deal. (laughs) Art of the deal. Nelson Thal. Thank you. you. Let's see. Uh, Andrew is checking in from New York. Oh, no, that's not Andrew. Okay, let's go to Ed in, is it Las Vegas? Hey, Ed, good morning. Welcome to Coast Coast to Coast. (laughs) Welcome to the Conspiracy (laughs) Show. uh, I'm wearing too many hats. Thanks, Ed. I know. Great, Great show as always. Um, I've been listening to you for about a year and a half or so. Uh, try to always catch you on YouTube if possible. So, um, and, a, and how are you listening platform. live? How are you listening to us live in uh, Las through, Vegas? Through YouTube. Great. Oh, you're on the uh, you're joining us on the stream. All right. Hello, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Waving when to the camera the there. Stream, I, you know, I listen through your app. Your app is good too, but I kind of like YouTube because I can watch it also. Great. All right. Um, gosh, do you know? There's so many interesting areas of conspiracy and stuff, and I've you know, kind of try to narrow things down a little bit. Um, 
I kind of have a good interest in this, and I, I know you're kind of into time travel, I think I've heard you say before, or kind of an interest in it. I love time travel. One of my favorite this, subjects. This isn't quite time travel, but I'm uh, kind of interested like in parallel, dim- parallel dimensions or uh, the multiverse. Right, right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't really have any experience with that, but it, the, the concept interests me a lot. Wow, the multiverse. Um, the idea of a parallel universe, that one, quite honestly, is difficult for me to wrap my head around. Uh, but theoretical physicists, uh, you know, some of them will say, well, it, it's, you know, it's quite likely. Uh, right. It's quite possible. I'm trying to remember the gentleman from Oxford University uh, who believes that um, one day he will be able to prove the existence of the multiverse or parallel universes using uh, quantum computing. Huh. And um, I should ha- look that up, and maybe we can get him on the program. Right. Um, but you know, th- theoretical physicists talk about the existence of at least eleven, maybe twelve. I think they may be up to now twelve dimensions. Yeah, I think I've even read somewhere like up to even like twenty six. Right. What three or four if you count time or something like that? Sure. So I mean, I have no, and this is why you know I, I take some flack for saying that I believe in an unseen world, but that's not really. <laughs> The ordinary. Right. I mean, theoretical physicists have come as much as have said as much. Now, sure. the, the question is: Are these other twelve or twenty-six dimensions are they inhabited? Uh, I I happen to believe that they are, uh, and I liken it to a um, a koi pond. When you're looking down on a koi pond, now I know koi pond or koi can goldfish can look up and see you, but imagine you know uh, that they they can't, and they just they can only see sort of in two dimensions. They can look uh, left and they can look right and so forth, but they can't They can't perceive a world above the surface of the water. And then all of a sudden we stick a finger down into the water, we break the surface of the water. Um, that, that must, that must uh, seem to them to be some sort of, you know, supernatural paranormal event. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that vision. That's good. And so that, to me, is is how the uh, these other dimensions work. I mean, they're they're right. literally right in front of our nose, but we cannot. We're not equipped. Our senses are not equipped to perceive them. And so I think right. many. I think many or most supernatural paranormal events can be explained with these uh, these other dimensions, these hyper dimensions, if you will. Uh huh. Um, also, one other thing, Richard. I have an idea for a possible future show for you. Lay it on me, Ed. It's kind of more on a lighter, maybe, aspect, uh, possibly. How about maybe some type of treasure type things? I know there's that Lost Dutchman's Mine in Arizona and like Victoria Peak. I think it's in New Mexico. Right. Or just something along those lines. Uh, just kind of a lighter kind of topic, but I think it might have some interest. Would love to. You know what? It's... we. Darn, darn knows darn well we need it. <laughs> we need yeah, something exactly. lighter after uh, what we've been through, and we'll get on that. Maybe we'll do and we'll revisit Oak Island. Thank you, Ed in Las Vegas. Appreciate it. Thank back you. with back with more of your calls here on the Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? All right, welcome back. We are uh, in the midst of our open lines here on The Conspiracy Show. And just a reminder, if you do have a, a question and you don't get on, I am uh, doing an AMA uh, tomorrow, and I will post it to uh, to YouTube, the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just use the hashtag 
AMA, Richard Serrett. AMA as in Ask Me Anything. Uh, we're going to do the reveal now for our little remote viewing experiment that we do just about every week. And um, let me see here. Blah Blah Tuesday says black and white with numbers, also square. Merland Wild says a phone. Rick Knight guesses a pair of socks. And uh, Carlsberg, a piece of cutlery. So here we go. Here is the remote. Carlsberg, you nailed it. Look at that. Look at that. Albert, call Russell Targ at the Stanford Research Institute, and uh, we have a remote viewer for him. Carlsberg, we will uh, reach out to you, and uh, we will send you some lovely conspiracy show merchandise. Incidentally, please take a moment, get up to the uh, website, theconspiracyshow.com, and check out the online store. Just go into the menu on and uh, check out the store, and then you can see all of the uh, the merch. All right. Uh, someone on our YouTube, uh, uh, on the live chat streaming us on uh, YouTube, uh, Danny Fan One, Danny Fan One, or Donnie Fan One. Um, I just want to get to this because those of you who listen to the program know that our bumper music, we use a lot of Danny Elfman on the program. I love Danny Elfman and I just find his music very etheric. And just suitable to the program. And uh, Danny or Donnie fan one wanted to know whether I've ever interviewed Danny Elfman, whether I've had him on the program. If not, why not? Well, no, the answer is no, I have not. That's a great idea. Um, maybe we should try. Shall we try for Danny Elfman? That would be a that'd be a huge undertaking. Uh, however, I think um, be very interesting. I'd love to crawl inside his mind. <laughs> I tell you. Thanks for the suggestion. Danny Fan 1. We'll try and get Danny Elfman. But, uh, you know, that's a big get. Can't promise that one. All right. Uh, Andrew is in New York. Andrew, welcome. Good evening. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Richard. I love your show. Thank you. Whereabouts in New York are you? I'm out on the island. Long Island. All right. You got it. Wonderful. So anyway, uh, just getting over the snow. I mean, it, uh, finally the last of it melted away. Except yeah, you, you got hammered, didn't you? Yeah, unbelievable. We got through the whole winter, and then all of a sudden that came out of nowhere. But March is still ahead of us, you know what they say. Yes. So we shall see. But I get a feeling because the heat you feel when the sun arcs across the sky, you know, through the windows. Right. I think winter's definitely on the way out, fighting a losing battle. Will I you? hope so. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, though. Anyway, I, I called because uh, I was listening last week when, I guess it was last week, when you had the guy on who was talking about the photography. On, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's been a couple yeah, weeks. on the moon yeah. stuff. Right. Every time they bring it up, I never hear anything that I heard like a number of years ago. Oh, must have been, I'm old, so I don't know. It could have been 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. But I was sitting around with a bunch of people, and we were talking about, did we go to the moon? You know. Right. And one of the guys brought up, just out of a clear blue sky, he said, no. He said, I saw a program on TV where they said there were shadows, there were different shadows. That means there was lighting outside and everything like that. And a guy who was sitting there was, was a quiet kind of guy at the time. He was kind of a techno-nerd kind of guy. He said to me, he said, no. He said, we did go to the moon, but those pictures that you saw weren't real. And, of course, the guy said, what do you mean they weren't real? He said they couldn't show any of the pictures on the moon. I said, what do you, how do you know this? What are you talking about? And he claimed that he had an uncle or somebody who worked at the photo lab that processes the stuff, you know? Right. It wasn't NASA. It was somebody, somebody within the uh, one of the branches of the service okay. that processed the thing. 
and he said, you'll never see the real photos because there was no way they could take photographs on the moon without the ruins being showed. Yeah. And I said, the ruins being showed? What's that? <laughs> he said, there are ruins everywhere. That's why they went to that particular place. And I, I just kind of kept it like in the back of my mind as loose talk. But over the years, as I was thinking about it, I said, you know something? If they did go to the moon and there were ruins there and they found stuff, let's face it, we probably have some sort of anti-grav ships of some kind. And I don't think Homo sapiens came up with the anti-grav technology. It was all back-engineered stuff, you know, right, from stuff, right. that we, stuff that we found. I mean, you know, you talk about the Nazi bell back during the Second World War, and they're talking about superheating metals and spinning them around at a terrific speed. Mm -hmm. You think a human being would come up with an idea, let's take some me uh, metals, melt them down to a liquid, heat them up to superheat, and then spin them around the thing and see what we... They're not going to do something like that unless they got the idea from something else and then worked on it. So I think if there are ruins up there, and if they went up to the moon and they brought something back, and it warranted further exploration, I could see seven or eight trips to the moon, and beyond that, it would have to go black. Because if you keep on going to the moon all the time, and there's only so many rocks and minerals that you right. can show the general public, people are going to start asking, why are you going to the moon? What are you doing up on the moon all Excellent the time? points all, Andrew. Got to run. We have a now, break. One, one quick thing. Okay, this hold on. I'll get to you. I'll get to you after the break. Hold on. I promise. Andrew stays with us. More of your, call, your uh, calls here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Andrew uh, stays with us from uh, the island, New York. And uh, you were talking about the, the moon landing and made some excellent points. This is something, you know, I think we've, we've, we've heard before that uh, the, uh, the Apollo astronauts discovered or they knew about them uh, in advance and they went to one specific area on the moon because they wanted to check out these ancient artifacts on the moon or ancient structures uh, and that perhaps these were a airbrushed out of the uh, the, uh, the the pictures taken on the moon or they um, the pictures were produced elsewhere maybe on a sound stage uh, we went to the moon but we couldn't obviously take those pictures on the moon because it would have shown these structures, they were everywhere. And, uh, Andrew, you had another point you wanted to get to. Yeah, the other thing that is, I don't really know, the jury's still out, as they say, on that whole thing. But, you know, I often wonder this. Richard, you know, you've had a telescope ever since you were a little kid. You've had a, you know, you get a telescope when you're young, and you look right. at bigger telescopes as you get older. Where have you ever on this planet seen a telescope that didn't have a secondary lens to adjust the focus in it? They all have things to adjust the focus in it. Right, right. So I often wonder myself, you know, why, when there was doubt about us going to the moon, it would be a simple matter just to take, what's that telescope that orbits the Earth? The Hubble, take, the Hubble, yeah, yeah. Like take the Hubble that takes the, these pictures of galaxies that are, you know, tens of thousands of light years away, and just aim it at the moon. Right. Put the put the thing all the highest resolution, so it would be like you could see like little areas on the moon, and just go to the landing site where the thing is and show people. Well, Why, I, I believe uh, I believe uh, um, that that's what they say. I, they yeah, can't it, focus on it. It's hmm. too close. That's what they say. But I said, is it too close, or is it that they don't want to focus on it because they don't want people to see what's up there? Right, right. Well, you know, I think we're going to find out soon enough when uh, when China sends up, when they send an unmanned uh, uh, probe up there. 
But I believe I, I believe that we landed on the moon. Um, oh, I do too. I, uh, I agree. I agree with the last caller because if we didn't go to the moon, Russia had Sputnik up before we had Explorer up, and they, their technology is on a par with ours. And they would have they would have ratted us out. They would have known. They would have been able to see that nothing left Earth orbit and went towards them. They would. It would have been nine ways till Sunday. People would have been saying it's a big hoax. Right. And the big issue uh, with a lot of uh, debunkers is that uh, the Van Allen belts would prevent us. But there there is a they, there's a way to get around those Van Allen belts. They they're very sort of the Van Allen belts are most prevalent at the uh, at the poles, and they kind of thin out. Um, like around the equator. So you can do sort of an end run around those Van Allen belts. And you can travel. There's, there's thicker parts and there are thinner parts. So they, they understood this and they, they, um, they sent the, uh, the rockets through the thinner parts. So to minimize, uh, exposure. So the Van Allen belts is not a deal killer for me by any stretch. Richard, I'll let you go, but, uh, you know, you know Moore's law, right? Yes. Every, you know, five years, something else, right. three years, the evasive availability of all knowledge doubles right okay let's just say that we had the technology back in the 40s or the 50s to make anti-grav shifts right you know right i if you look up something called um a flux liner okay f-l-u-x-l-i-n-e-r just google it okay and look at some of the stuff that's on there and look at the shape of some of these early diagrams you know, saucers, you know, UFOs nowadays are the triangular ones. Before that, going back to, like, 60s, early 50s, they were little dots of light, like the famous pictures of them going in formation by the water tower there. Right. You've seen that, okay? Sure. If you look at the real early ones, the stuff like uh, the writer George Adamski, you know who he is? Right, yes, of course. Okay. Like inside the spaceships and stuff, they look like they look like a, a dinner plate, like a regular dinner plate sure. sitting on a table, ready to have food on it. And you know what a pie plate is that you cook a pie yes. with? Yes. Well, imagine a deep dish pie plate, like a deep dish one, and you turn it upside down, you put it on top of the dinner plate. Right. Remember the flying saucers that you saw like that in daytime shots? Yeah. And they look like oh, that, that looks fake. They probably made that up. That that doesn't look like anything that's you know. Um, uh, streamlined or aerodynamic. It, it just didn't look like it would, would do anything. These, these diagrams of this thing called a flux liner are exactly like that. And I said, that was 1957. Mm-hmm. What if that wasn't visitors from outer space? That was a flux liner that we had. Can you imagine if we had, if we had anti-grav technology in 1957? Where would we be at now? Exactly. Seventy years later. Exactly. Well, you know, Coupled back in with Moore's law. Well, think about that. Well, you're you're uh, you're right on the mark, I think, because back in the late fifties, Boeing was they it, it was public it was public knowledge that Boeing was experimenting with anti-gravitics, and then Boeing Boeing or, or Lockheed Martin. I believe it was Boeing, and then all of a sudden there was this news blackout and nothing. It just went dark, nothing. right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Off the radar. Andrew, thank you. I hope you'll call again. Food for thought. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a virtual buffet, food for thought. All right, Michael is in Toronto. Michael, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, Richard. Just wanted to sing that list. Your your phone line is a little shaky. You on a cell phone? Yeah, I'm on a cell phone. Are you on hands-free? No. Oh, okay. Let's try it again. Uh, Is this better? Um, a little bit. Just, uh, yeah, get your question out quick, and I'll uh, try to answer it as best I can. Okay. I'll just hang up after I have this. Uh, raise these two things with you and see what you have to say. Uh, the first one is, have you heard of a book called The Alien Chronicles by Matthew Hurley and 
What do you think of those paintings in this, in this book? The Alien Chronicles by Matthew Hurley? Yeah. No, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. Something maybe you can check out. Is it a recent it? book? Sorry? Is it a recent book, Michael? Yeah, it, I think it's quite recent. It's okay. Very short, but it's got a collection of amazing pieces and two important stuff in it. So uh, done it, by like classical artists, you know. And oh, I understand. So, yeah, in other words, yeah. Renaissance paintings from the Renaissance yeah, that right. seem to yeah. show a depiction of yes. I, well, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm familiar with a lot of those paintings. So this okay. this book actually is a collection of all these that's paintings. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, this might be uh, this. Uh, he'd be a good guy to have on the program then. Maybe yeah, we should look into that. All right, Michael. And the other you. thing I just wanted to bring up was what, what do you think about that Genesis six, uh, six one where they talked about. Um, Sorry, that I didn't get, Michael. Again, I didn't hear that one. You cut off. Uh, Genesis six point one. Genesis six point one. Yeah. Chapter six, verse one. Yeah, sons of God. How come there's no mention of daughters of God? You ever wonder about that? And that's about it. Hang up. (laughs) Why not daughters of God? Well. Yeah. Bye. Sure. Um, Gender politics when it comes to the Bible. I don't know. I know. Uh, God is, I don't know, call me a dinosaur, but God is he in my books. Uh, but he's neither he nor she, right? God is beyond gender. Uh, let's say hello to Mel in Toronto. Mel, welcome. Good evening, good hello. morning. Hello. Hi, Mel. Hi, you're on. Hi. Hi, Richard. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, tell you something. Remember the, the um, Mr. Zakaria Sitchin, uh, who wrote The Journey to the Mythical Past about the little elephant and anything of Olmec that resembled anything to do with Africa that the museums and archaeologists were hiding? Did you say Zachariah Sitchin? That's right. He wrote a book about, I mean, I'm familiar with his... his yeah, his The Journey w- to the Mythical Past. Okay, I haven't read that one. No, in Chapter 5 he All wrote right. it. And, and a plate of uh, number... Photo plate number 20. There's a toy elephant and other toys related to African culture, right? Okay. And uh, so they hid this, right? Who, who hid it? Who hid it? The, uh, museums. Why would they hide a picture of an elephant? The only thing, you see, this is it. The only thing they couldn't hide was the 24 uh, tons of those, you know, the, those African-looking heads, which are in the open. But they try to claim, you know, all kinds of baloney, right? Okay, I'm not quite following you. Like you you're saying the, the museums were hiding? Yeah, they, they, they used to be in the open, you know, um, like little elephants, little, little carvings from the stone and, and toys. But why toys would they try and hide that? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. No, no. That's what he wrote about the missing elephants okay. you know, and the astronauts, right? The, okay. the chapter 5. And he has the photo of it. Well, uh, well, so we couldn't, you know, nobody has access to actually seeing it. The public cannot. Well, my surprise was uh, last year my daughter was in Chichen Itza. Right. Visiting the ruins, right? And she sent me a whole bunch of uh, photographs, right? And you know how I am diligent at looking at everything unusual. Right. One of those ruins, right on the top to the left of it, there's a carving of an elephant in profile. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, That's yeah, right. Why would we find a, a picture of an elephant in Chichen Itza? That's right. Right. Another, con- you know, a continent away from Africa yes. or, or Asia. And they couldn't hide this. I think, you know, but I am um, astonished. People go there in millions, right, tourists. 
How do they miss it? Well, what is it's the, the what, what is the implication here, Mel? If we, if there because are, they deny that that the the Africans, the Olmecs, right? What we know as Olmec the Olmecs, culture, right, right. Were, were the Africanic, you know, people. So they came over from Africa. That's right. Right now, let me just throw this out there, Mel. Is it possible? Uh, that the depiction was not an African or an Asian elephant. It was a woolly mammoth. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. No, no. It's an elephant. It is. Okay. And because it is in profile, and it's a perfect elephant with its trunk up and everything. Okay. So, again, here the, the, the takeaway is that the Olmecs, which, which predate the Aztecs yes. and the Mayans, that the Olmecs landed in South and Central America after crossing the ocean from Africa uh, obviously. Well, somehow they ended up. Uh, Mr. Zakaria Sitchin, he wrote that, you know, they were brought by, you know, in there to mine whatever, you sure. know, or they, they had to mine. Yeah. You know what? We really, <laughs> we need to throw out our, uh, a lot of our, our history textbooks. Um, That's true. It's just, you know. But I was totally flabbergasted when I saw them. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. There it's it is. Open. You, you know? found like, it. They couldn't. They couldn't hide that. <laughs> Not from you, Mel. They couldn't get it past no. you. Thank you for checking in. A pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks to uh, Ian and Albert and Ryan. Back next week with a uh, brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>